What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMIX C, and this is Nice Minds. I'm with a very, 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 and I say very special guest today. My homeboy, Mowley, a.k.a. Bass Violator, a.k.a. Free Drugs. What's good, my dude? How are you? I am doing great. What's happening, Brandon? It's great to see your face, man. I mean, it's been a minute. Um, So, yeah, we go back probably like six, five, no, six or seven years at this point now. It's been forever. Yeah, I'd say about seven. Uh, we probably started working together around 2014. So we go way back. Um, and you, when I started NGE, you were you were early on in the mix. Um, and we started doing a bunch of shows, collaborating together, all that shit. And we became good friends. I mean, I would come through your spot all the time, and um, you know, we'd kick it, have deep conversations, um, all that type of shit. Um, and you've been one of the closest homies that I've had. I mean, we can always like no matter where we are in our lives, we can always talk and we end up talking for like hours and, and it's always the same type of shit. Um, but I want to dive into your background, dude. So how would you get into music? So it's crazy. I, I'll say my parents uh, were always into music. Um, my dad made us all, uh, all, me and all my siblings, my dad made it a point to have us classically trained in piano. Um, so we all took piano lessons starting from age five. Well, I, I started at age five. I'd say my my sisters probably started, you know, at different points in in, in their lives. But it, it was something that started from very early on. Uh, my parents, for whatever reason, made it essential that me and all my siblings would be classically trained in piano. Um, so I started at age five and I I won't lie, I absolutely hated the piano lessons. I hated the routine. I hated the, I just hated the whole thing. Um, and I, I had a hard time keeping up with my piano. Um, I never did my theory work. I barely practiced, you know, unless forced to. But um, that's where my musical uh, background, you know, started from the technical aspect. But personally, I've always loved music. I've always listened to music. Um, my dad has always uh, had music and kept music in the house as well. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say where I really picked it up because I feel like music has always been a part of my life, but I've always had it around, um, always listened to it, always watched my dad's old VHS tapes. Uh, he would always record uh, this thing called Variety Show and Variety Show was basically like the early MTV in Ethiopia. <laughs> and they would basically just like feature all the number one songs and it would be anything from you know madonna cool and the gang michael jackson uh, and a bunch of like african uh cameroonian west african north african like egyptian music as well whatever that was featured number one at the time or you know whatever was buzzing at the time so you're from ethiopia and i didn't even know that until like we were maybe a year into our friendship and you told me and I was like, you're from Ethiopia. You, you barely have an accent. When did you come to the United States? I moved to the United States in 2008. Um, yeah. And I basically just moved here for to further my education. Um, but it's crazy that you say I don't have an accent. I English is my first language. Um, so and my dad is actually um 
I wouldn't say like, I, I guess my dad was an English major actually in university. My dad has a very strong West African accent, but you can't get anything past him technical, especially when it comes to written and spoken English. Like he's always picking apart what you say, how you say it. Like, you know, he's just very with it. So uh, I, I guess the, the reason I don't have an accent would be because uh, from a very early age, I was in an American school setting and around Americans and British kids and Australians and, you know, a bunch of different European kids and a bunch of different African kids and Asian, you know, across the board, because I went to an international school. So I was always around the culture. I'm sure I had an accent early on in my, in my years, going to the American school, I guess I kind of just acclimated to that. And that became my, you know, that just became the thing that I soaked up. That's super interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't because yeah, when you told me, uh, like, I'm from Ethiopia, bro, I was like, damn, no way. Like, I was, you know, I mean, I can hear it sometimes, like in in certain things that you say. I'm just like, like, like a little bit, but I was just like mind blown, bro, mind blown. Um, so you started as bass violator, and you still go by ba- bass violator. But when your rap persona is free drugs, and it's kind of like this alter ego, so so you started as a, as a DJ, right? I mean, like like in the EDM scene and stuff, right? Yes, that's basically how I started. Uh pursuing my sound and uh, furthering my production and kind of crafting like a a name for myself in the EDM scene. But it's funny you say that because when I was younger uh, and lived in Ethiopia, I used to go by Young Killer, actually. That was my rap name. Oh, word. So it's funny that you even brought that up because it kind of just sparked something in my mind. Now, I've always had this duality. I've always had this idea of being a DJ slash producer and being a rapper um so early on i guess i had kind of had the idea to split them up as two completely different names and two completely different things i always thought that you should come out in like a completely different costume like you know shock g of digital underground would do with with humpty hump he would come out with like the the glasses and the fake nose and shit and i always thought you should come out in like you know some like wizard type shit or something i mean honestly it's funny you say that um, I, I'm in no rush to, to really, uh, perform any of my music right now. Um, you know, given the fact that, you know, COVID and there's a lot of like weird restrictions and stuff. Right. I really do want to, uh, have a character and outfit design for when I perform. That would be dope. It's definitely in the works, actually. I want to present Bass Violator and Free Drugs as comic book characters within the music industry. Sick. I kind of want them to have their own powers and their own movements and modes of travel and like, you know, own backstories. And obviously I want every artist that I work with to be in a, almost in a comic book world character themselves. That's fire. That's super dope. And yeah, the, the comic book stuff, cause I, I always wanted to do that with Jezebel James as well, because, uh, 2JD, a.k.a. Jezebel James, always had that that kind of comic book. I mean, we all, we have this almost like this NGE world that we came up with together. And, we you know, we write all these characters and, like, uh, the 2JD albums go in this, like, story. You know, if you, like, 
for people listening that aren't familiar, go and listen to Gemini Cities and then listen to um, Battle of the Brainwaves. And it's it it's like follows the story and it's like very comic book centered. And that would be really dope if we like, you know, if you came up with a comic book and Jezebel James came up with a comic book and they like the world's just like intertwined. That would be that'd be sick. I'm really into that. I'm really furthering the idea. So the story um, in which Base Violator and Free Drugs exist in is actually called Digital Quest. And the universe is called The Mixer. And basically it's all about like frequencies and stuff and uh, and how people, you know, relate to different frequencies and how different frequencies are used to like, not only alter your mind, but help, um, you know, build and solidify different ideas. So. I think within the years to come, yeah, I think the universe within uh, Jezebel James and slash 2DD, I think the world that they live in um, will will definitely cross paths with the universe in which, you know, Free Drugs and Ace Violator also exist. In. And I, there, there will be a lot of character development along the way too. And it'll pinpoint like how different rappers have their own superpowers and how they they're all sound alchemists in their own ways and how they, you know, they're all trying to do their part. That's dope. Yeah. So you come up with a lot of different projects as Bass Violator and you've always had, you know, Bass Violator featuring free drugs, you know, when you do your rap stuff. Um, but this is your first full length uh, solo project, right? Uh, Still Loading is what it's called. This is my first attempt to put a piece of work out as a rapper uh slash you know recording artist i guess um so yeah it's 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 my first time putting it putting out like a, a consecutive piece of work i've i've been featured on a lot of stuff not only with you um i've done a lot of shows with a lot of djs where free drugs has done you know different verses or if not written songs together with said producers and we've done performances so yeah, this is my first time attempting to just focus on the the, the recording slash vocal aspect of free drugs as an artist. That's dope. And you you did all of the the recording, all the um, production, all the mixing, like everything yourself, right? I wrote and produced everything, and it's crazy because as a rapper, I kind of wanted to tap into the idea of not really having to focus as much as the production. But it's weird because I am my own producer. Right. So, you know, trying to tap into different mindsets is, is kind of strange. But uh, I think I did it. Um, I kind of wanted to keep the beats really simple uh, in terms of the production aspect. But, you know, it's funny I say that because it's it wasn't simple at all. What I really wanted to do was kind of use sounds that have already been created. And I didn't want to, like work too hard at the actual production, but I ended up doing a lot of work anyways. The whole idea was to really use a lot of already built samples. So I used a lot of samples from like hip hop packs, uh, lo-fi sample packs, and then I just built off on that. You invited me to rap on uh, this track called Syntax. And to, to be honest with you at first, cause the, the version you sent me was like, like you said, like, like you're, you know, simple and it was like overly simple so i was like at first i was like because i mean it was like drums bass line and like a simple piano part 
Yeah, in a sample. Yeah. So at first I was like, I was like, damn. Like I thought I was gonna get on something kind of harder. Um. So I was like, at first I was like, I don't know if I can write to this. And I was like, kind of like, you know, I was like, this is cool, but it's like super bare bones. And then I was I was kind of having writer's block at first. And then, you know, I, I you were like, you were like, nah, man, you got this, you got this. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. So I, I sat down and started writing my verse and all of a sudden these like crazy lines just started coming into my head. It was like all of a sudden this light bulb turned on and uh, I won't repeat the line on this because I want people to go check out syntax. Um, but there's a line in the track and it was not necessarily the most, uh, how do I say it? Uh, PC line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, I, I guess that would, yeah, you can put it under that umbrella. It was a risky reference and I ran it by you and I was like, yo, I don't know if I want to say this or not. And you're like, bro, that shit is crazy. Fucking say it. I don't really believe in censorship unless you're really, you know, unless you're really saying some shit that's just like out of pocket to the point where it's just like, nah. Right. It wasn't uh, terribly offensive in that way. Right. And so, yeah, so then I, you know, I, I asked you, I'm like, yo, do you know, do you think this is cool? And you're like, you're like, fuck yeah, bro. That shit's crazy. So then you, so you guys, your, your team, I, I guess I should mention you're with a, with a team called, uh, more beats, right? That's the team. More beats is a team and it consists of Mr. L who's the CEO and front runner. Um, and who's actually himself a new recording artist. For the last like 20 plus years, he's been doing a lot of production and he has a lot of credits. He's done a lot of things. And it's what's crazy to me how the universe works is I had a beat that Mr. L produced on my computer years before I had even met him. What? You didn't tell me that. That's crazy. This is fucking nuts how it works. <laughs> it's crazy. I have this Super Mario beat where Mr. L sampled Super Mario, the, the beat. And he just kind of produced it and he had an idea for it. Someone bought it out. And basically, you know, he relinquished his credits uh, on it. But it ended up being something that got pushed forward, you know, without him because he had been bought out. But yeah, I had a <laughs> I had a beat from him or a beat produced by him, you know, years and years before I'd even met him. And uh, yeah, more beats consists of Mr. L, who I said is like a brand new recording artist. He's been producing and, and you know, helping a lot of artists like craft their sound and been putting uh, sounds behind a lot, a lot of amazing artists over the years. So he is a front runner. And then there's GLS, who's like probably one of the, one of the most amazing writers I've ever come across. Uh, and then there's JQ Capone and there's also Shallow 718. And there's a whole bunch of new artists who are also uh, and now part of it, you know, they're all coming together and like helping build this new engine. As more beats, you you said you you guys have like focus groups, right? We work with a lot of different producers, artists, uh, groups, teams, individuals. Um so yeah, we 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 always like play our music um and and show it to people and like 
you know, definitely cross-reference it. So basically what had happened was I was at the process, I was at the point where I was uh, ready to start showing people my music and start getting that feedback and see how people felt about it. So I, I, you know, every time I come to the studio, there's, you know, either a new artist or artists that either regularly record or bring new artists in to record and try and see uh, what we can do with, with new sounds and new talents. So I had played it for a couple of different people. And what had happened was one person was, you know, not, not really offended, but was just kind of like, had pointed out like that line that you had said was, could be taken in, in a bad way. And for some reason I took it as like, oh shit, I don't wanna, you know, if it's bad, it's bad. And you know how, how people receive bad music. Right. It doesn't get the ability to impact the way it does. So <laughs> I played it for a couple of people and the, you know, the, the impact wasn't what I thought it was. And they had brought up the fact that like you're referencing someone who isn't here anymore and you know, this and that. But the funny thing about it is when I played it for my team, more beats, no one, no one, not a single person across the board had even referenced that line as being anything offensive. And right. it ended up being actually a line that was like, you know, when I decided, oh shit, maybe we could try and not have that song on, have that line in the song anymore. And I was like trying to figure out ways to not, uh, to, to creatively take it out, but still have it, have the verse be impactful in its own way. The whole team was like, no, nah, you wild. That's like the most impactful line. And that that's one of the best lines and craziest lines. And I was like, oh shit, you know, you're right. <laughs> So yeah, after you told me about the focus group and like how they reacted, I was like, oh shit, because I was already feeling some type of way about that line. You had told me when you when you gave me the song, you were like, yo, this line is kind of, you know, you'd even told me as you were writing the verse, you were like, yo, I came up with some crazy shit, light, light bulb, you know, went on, I figured it out, I got a verse, and you know, I don't know how I feel about this verse how about how I feel about this line you know you did your part to let me know about it but I said initially like fuck it it doesn't matter yep and so yeah so you you said like this you know this focus group they you know just a couple of people were like oh shit you know that line's kind of whatever and then you were like you're like do you have an alternate verse and I'm like nah why don't you just like you know interject something else in there or something so that that that's what I thought the plan was gonna be and then I like you sent me the track and I was like oh shit the line's still in there what the fuck and it, but it sounds fucking great like like the production that you did to it I was like blown away because it was like nothing from what I recorded to like in a good way it was like like completely fleshed out I was like oh shit this sounds great but that line is still in there oh shit so I kind of like had a panic attack at first because I was like, oh, I didn't think you were going to leave that in there. And you're like, nah, fuck it. In the process of like recording and and uh, mixing and finalizing these records, I had a conversation with my mentor, Mr. L. And the first thing he said was, nah, like you got to honor what people say and you got to just follow through and find a way to either build on it or mix and, you know, take out the things that you don't think or, or honor them in ways by layering them. And I was like, you know what, you're right. Like 
you know, and you told me that you were really feeling that verse. You said it was one, you know, one of the best lines you had come up with in a long time. And I was just like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to take that out. And it was an easy decision, honestly. And it just became more of a creative challenge for me to just kind of layer it with different melodies and like, uh, you know, samples and bells and chords and stuff. And yeah, honestly, that's one of my favorite songs on the album, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really dope. But at the same time, you know, like, you know, my brand is like, is like nice guy shit. So that's why I was like feeling hella guilty about that line at first. Um, Cause I don't, I don't want people to take it the wrong way. The definition of syntax is basically the structure of a sentence. And as right as rappers, there's so many different ways we can break that apart. And I was just like, fuck it. Talk your shit. Yeah. I don't know. I, it was like a, I think it was a, it was a, it was a panic that I had that I projected on you that I definitely didn't need to. I was scared at how people were going to incorporate, you know, feel about your reference, especially being where I am now. And But at the end of the day, I think that song stands as like one of the best songs on the album. Hell yeah, I appreciate that. And you came through. You came through with that shit. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, But no, it was funny because I sent it to... um. I snuck and I was like, because I wanted one other opinion, so I snuck and sent it, sent it to Ben Jam and K. Um, and I was like, I was like, yo, uh, tell me what you think. You'll know the line when you hear it. And bro, he was like, the line about your wife. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right. If if it went over your head, then it's gonna go over most people's heads, and most people won't even fucking pick up on it. And of course, the Ben Jamin's gonna pick up the wife line. That's fucking hilarious that he said. That's that. gonna be the line that offends him. Um, but I was like, all right. If you didn't get offended by that, it's a fucking amazing line, especially in reference to what you're talking about. Right. But yeah, it's it's the first verse that I've I've recorded. On a track, I mean, I've done a couple of things, but like the first released thing in a minute, probably like probably like a year and a half. So it's been a minute since I've like actually done like a like a publicly released BMXC thing. I'm honored that this is this is what uh, you came out of your shell for. Fuck yeah, dude. Because you know, I'm not gonna lie, the album itself is is a very personal album for me. Like I'm not gonna lie, I I really held back on releasing this for a long time. Like I started the first song on the album, I started writing probably about like two years ago, if not maybe possibly, yeah, about two years ago, I'd say. Um, and it was weird. It was just, uh, it was very personal. It was this uh, showing like talking about things on this level of personal uh, like reflection was very hard for me. And I was really like, anxious about people accepting this you know kind of music from me because i'm known as bass violator all i do is just violate bass lines and you know it's either that or i'm just fucking talking my shit is free drugs or like you know talking about some spiritual leveling up and shit um but yeah it's the album itself is like really really personal for me and it was like really reflective um but it, it also like is the album itself is really um, it's me is, you know, the bottom line is this album is me. The songs really like are me from start to finish. And I really show like the parts of me that are free drugs and bass violator 
So one of the biggest parts of, you know, one of the biggest things that I did in Minnesota was be a part of Nice Guy Entertainment. And, you know, I don't know if you know how much of an impact you've had on my ability to like make music and like put my music out. You gave me like a really big platform and ability to, you book me for so many shows and you like, you big me up. So that's why like I had to have you and 2JD or J, uh, Jezebel James on the album. Only the realest people musically who have impacted me like that are on this album. So that's why the order is like, it starts off with me leaving Minnesota, but me referencing one of my favorite, you know, rhymers from Minnesota, Jezebel James. And then I go into right now. And then I touch back into like some, some touchy shit. And then I get right back to fucking the point of like really making really deep, impactful music and spitting shit. Uh, and that's why you're on Syntax. Uh, and then I wrote one love song on the album. It's called Closer. <laughs> or no, it's called Distance. Uh, I'm not a fan of writing love songs, but my mentor kind of was, you know, a lot of people are making a lot of R&B and like really emotional and reflective music right now. And I was always like, I don't really need to make that shit. And he's like, what, you don't think you can tap in? Oh, shit. He challenged you, yo. Yeah, straight up. Man. He be doing that shit, though. He be doing that shit. Like, every time I like, I'm re I'm resisting, he's like, oh, is it because you don't think you can do it? Yeah. Not that you have anything to prove, but if you haven't done it, you probably should do it. And I was just like, no, I've written love songs. He's like, so why can't you? No, damn. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not in love right now. He's like, so you can't talk about the many other times you've been in you know he was just kind of like why can't you just fucking write it? so i was like fuck it i'm gonna write it that's fire man i can't wait to hear it man and i'm i'm honored bro i mean i'm super honored especially to have jezebel james as the other guest feature too it's just very fitting man because that's that we 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 met through jezebel james you know years ago and you know we have this history and it, it was originally going to be your first project on Nice Entertainment, but, I mean, Nice Entertainment isn't really a label at, at this point in time. Eventually, I, I would like it to go back to being a crew. You know, the thing is, like, you just, you just aren't seeing it as what it once was. It's not a matter of it going back. It'll always maintain and be what it was. It'll just be a matter of what you're, you know, prioritizing and being able to like give uh time and effort into building something exactly over time and like intentionally you know piecing things together but like nice guy entertainment like i said like this this album was supposed to be my fulfillment to my contract that i wrote with you yep. that's why i was like when i do this album i'm gonna really put it make it like really just show like who i am musically and who i am musically you know, for me, like a lot of my time that I spent in Minnesota writing was with y'all. Like you're the one who was just like, oh, you should you should do these shows. You should do these shows. Nick Twist is going to do the show. And I, you're the reason why I kept on writing hip hop, you know, and, and doing doing a lot of that shit and felt comfortable. I mean, of course, I was like involved in a bunch of other shit, but you gave me that like spark to like, yo, you should come do the show. Damn, that's what's up, bro. You kept that fire, dude. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how much I was really motivating you, man. You know what's crazy? As artists, we're always talking about, like, making it, making it, making it. 
And it's crazy. My definition of making it, of course, you know, as most people's is, is writing that one hit song and really impacting people and being able to like sell out shows and do all that crazy shit. But you were one of the, you know, pivotal moments of me making it was me signing my first deal. That's dope. Yeah, and it wasn't even a deal that was like trying to choke me for like content and shit. It was just like, nah, man, we got like a collective of people. We can always book blocks of music together. We can move as a unit. We could take over fucking, you know, slots of time. And we played mad shows. We did a bunch of shit. We played Halloween shows. We played shows all, you know, all over Minneapolis. So big ups to Nice Guy Entertainment. Hell yeah, man. It'll be back in full swing. It'll just be back in di- different once you redefine well, it. It's crazy. I mean, I, I've explained this a million times on this podcast. Um, and, you know, I, I had to take a step back for for me, basically, um, to kind of get my shit straight. And um, what I loved about about all of you guys is every single one of you understood like you, you all were super fucking cool when I when I made that phone call and I was like, I was like, yo, you know, Nice Entertainment's just got to be my personal brand for a while, you know. It's and you you all were super fucking supportive and you were all like, like fuck yeah, bro, we we're there with you still, we we ride with you. This is a lifelong engagement, I feel like, and honestly, like you saying that you you stepping forward and having to say that, you know, especially at the level that you were at you were like the main person, you know, you're, you're like the, you're like the big boss. You're like the head honcho of a whole label. So you're the one who has to like, kind of let everybody know, but it's crazy about what the in times of COVID is like, everyone was kind of like really tapping into who they were, not only artistically, but like personally. Yep. And you said that it was just like, no bro, like we're all doing that. We're all focusing. So if that's what you need to do. Focus. Yep. It only makes sense that we have to reprioritize and like, shape shift things around and stuff yeah these times ain't easy man. yep exactly and and part of it too you know and uh, the major part of it was just that like i was getting like i was getting all of this work um and i was i i felt like i couldn't give you guys all the attention that you guys deserved you know and like i i my focus was like all on on this other shit and i and i'm like these guys deserve fucking the attention that I gave them for the last, you know, five years. And I just couldn't, couldn't do that right at this point. But what I'm hoping is because this verse that that you let me do on your EP kind of lit a a fire under my ass to like get back into my rap shit. See, and I was just talking to someone about you getting back to your rap shit. You're never going to not be a rapper. It's just how much time are you giving to be, that true what level are you letting people tap in and honestly this fire this this verse is fucking fire you don't even know how many times i've just like before i left the studio just played syntax hell yeah dude i mean and to be honest with you bro like i i listened to it over and over again and i was just like damn like i can't i can't give this shit up i can't i can't i gotta i gotta pop back in there see and and this is the thing like it, it really just becomes a a matter of like what you're trying to do artistically as an artist and regardless of like obviously this is your passion you got you've put over 10,000 hours into this and you know a lot of those hours I won't even say a lot but some of those hours 
might not have been like focused and detailed and intentional to like do the craziest of things. They were just, you know, getting your hours in. You've put so many hours in that now it's just just a matter of like, how are you going to structure it? How are you going to get better at? What are you going to get better at? What are you going to give time to? No matter what we're doing, no matter what the goal is, the only way to effectively get through is to like have a visual representation of what you're trying to do and hold yourself accountable. Speaking of which, I mean, you've been putting in work. So how many how many projects are you dropping this year? So like this is like the first one, but it's the first of many. This is actually my second one because I, I dropped. The, That's right. Thank God for the gang as bass violator where I just like produced all 14 tracks and I, just, I rapped on 10 of them and I just, you know, hashed out like a bunch of creative shit with the team. Um, so, and it's crazy. I actually have about 10 projects ready to drop. Oh, damn. And when I say ready to drop, I mean like they're not fully completed, but I mean like, I know what these projects are. I know what they're going to consist of. I know who's featured on what and a lot like they're like between like you know 60 to 80 some 50 percent done um i have a lot of content ready but one thing i'm learning uh about content is it's one of the most important things that's going to set you aside from people who claim they they do this i put in work in the studio man i'm in there like 18 hours a day being in the studio 18 hours and how many hours you work and actually get shit done. Right. It's really just about, like, I have content, but I really got to be smart about how I let people digest it, yep. anticipate and promote and and have people, like, yearn and, you know, be like, oh, shit. So now the game is, I got, like, about 10 albums ready, but I really want to spread them over a span of time and attach different kind of promotions and and merch and different things to like each project. So that's that's the goal now. When uh when twenty twenty hit, I, I I ask everybody on this podcast, um, what what sort of thing? I mean, because we, we already kind of touched on like what that changed for both of us. Um, but what was kind of going through your head? What what was your like um mentality like when when like the COVID first hit? It was terrifying. Uh, especially because like I had just moved and I had just tapped into like a new source and opportunity to be able to like practice and craft my, my art. And I had all these ideas about what I wanted to do. And there were so many avenues to play shows and like potentially travel and like do all that shit. But then COVID hit and it was like, all of that was out the window. But one thing I knew was I had a studio space that I had access to that was was very, very, you know, close enough within reach where I could access it as much as possible. So I know no one really knows how much I panicked during COVID, <laughs> but you'll know when you listen to this fucking music because I haven't taken a fucking day off. Not a single day off since COVID hit. It's just become like, yo, music is the only thing that matters. COVID was fucking terrifying. And I I think it just, it changed the landscape for so many people, bro. And 
Um, it made us, you know, think about everything and think about our, our lives and our careers and people. Um, it's made me just really appreciate, you know, everything and everybody in my life, you know, and, you know, made me, made me think about how much I appreciate you guys and, um, everything that, that we've done together. And, um, now in 2021, you know, like I, like all the shit you're saying, like is inspiring me, man. So I, I feel like I'm going to go back and just start, just start opening up sessions again and writing, bro. You know, it's crazy. What I feel like every time you started something and gave it, you know, you know, in some cases, a couple of hours, in some cases, like days, and then you never completed it. It means that you tapped into something. And, and you had an idea. So with everything that you've learned now, why not, why not tap into what you thought you were about to do when you, when you did it and just give it that love and, and that final completion. Yep. You got nothing but time. I don't have the time I used to have, but I mean, that's not an excuse. But the thing is, if, even if, if you don't have the time that you had before, you have less time now. So that means, like I said, the, the most important thing that I've learned recently is just like, regardless of what you're trying to get done, if you understand what it is, you can map it out and how to get it done. Yep. You don't have to pressure yourself into finishing a, an album by the end of the year. It's just all about being in tune. Just write a verse every day. And that's what I did with this podcast, to be honest. Like, this podcast is, you know, this is, well, I, this is the, almost number 30. Um, and, you know, since the beginning of the year, it's just been like every single week since January 1st. And that was my goal. My goal is every Friday this year, at least, at least every Friday. Sometimes I had two episodes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so at least every Friday this year is, is podcast every fucking week because I want to get everybody's everybody's ideas, everybody's thoughts, and, you know, everybody that I believe in, you know, every creative um, I want to give us all a platform. This is how I know that you are ready and willing and able to tap in to the, like the, the discipline to take it to the next level. Cause this is the same thing that I, I told myself I was going to do years ago. I realized that, you know, I read on this website that I had bookmarked, but somehow the, the link and everything, like, I don't even know where the fuck it went, but <laughs> But I, I read this thing that talked about how the best way to effectively uh, tap into your resource and opportunities is by having content ready and putting it out over a span of a year and either having something ready every week or multiple things ready every week, even in different ways, like not only having songs ready, but having videos and and you've already done it you've tapped into your weekly thing for the year that weekly discipline yep giving yourself that platform and 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 that that goal and expanding it out and figuring it out and learning how to craft it every week that's how you do it you've been dropping gems this podcast man you've been you've been just you've been just you've been tapping in i've had a crazy opportunity to to learn and grow with some amazing individuals and the one thing that's always said 
over and over is like when you when you become this effective power horse of like information and knowledge you got to figure out how to spread it yep so this is dropping friday but your ep drops wednesday uh so by the time people uh watch or listen to this it will already be dropped so where can people go and listen to the ep it'll be available on all streaming platforms itunes spotify you know google play uh it'll be on soundcloud um it'll be on bandcamp fuck yeah dude i'm so stoked for this you know i i didn't realize but i think intentionally i what i really wanted to do was just change how people felt i just wanted people to to really feel you know and i know certain people are gonna know exactly what i'm talking about at certain times other people are gonna panic and be like damn who is he talking about is he talking about me i'm stoked for you um i'm honored to you know call you one of my good friends man and i appreciate everything that we've you know built together and done together and I can't wait for the future. Everything we've done this past couple of years is is the foundation on like everything that I'm doing right now. So hell yeah, I'm honored and I'm I'm really proud of what you're doing right now with this podcast. I'm super honored that you let me be a part of this and, and share some of my insight. And uh, this actually just triggered me. I'm about to go watch every single podcast you've done. I actually tapped in and watched a couple of them, but now I'm about to really go back now that I understand in full what what this is and what you're trying to do. Well, I appreciate you, bro. And uh, I definitely want to do a follow-up where I have you back on in, um, like I like to do follow-ups like every five or six months. So at the end of the year, I want to have you you on again. I'm really stoked for you. I'm, I'm happy that you're able to do this and give people opportunities to not only like be vulnerable and open up, but like really share, you know, bits and pieces of what they're doing with the world, which is what I know what, you know, as artists, we're all essentially trying to do. But I think, you know, this, this gives people another opportunity to kind of tap in and see people in a different light. Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you again, man. You already know. Appreciate you.